Hello, and welcome to Blood, Sweat, and Careers, the podcast where we discuss multi-hyphenates, dig deep into hustle culture, and find early 2000s teen dramas to binge on YouTube. We're your hosts, Austin, Mallory, and Catherine. Hi, guys. Welcome back. Hello. Glad to be here. I am Austin, professional arm wrestler and ginger American. I'm Catherine, a self-trained accountant and perpetual student because the real world is terrifying. (laughs) And I'm Mallory, Christmas tree teardown crew manager and chocoholic. Yay. How are you guys feeling in the real world? It's January 1st because these do get recorded ahead of time. We're finally in the new year. Are you alive? Gratefully alive. Yeah. Well, Mallory and I, we were talking about how, do you remember what it was like with Y2K for that Mm. New Year's Eve? Yeah, no, I I remember. I was just thinking like, this year was a little bit of a bummer. But I do remember (laughs) being like, (laughs) Y2K. You don't spend it this year, right? Hmm. That was crazy. My parents, I guess, had gotten like water and extra snacks inside the house just in case. Like, what if the computers just shut down? And nothing worked anymore. It was a real scary prospect there for a minute. Well, yeah, like Y2K was everyone being prepared for the end of the world. And 2020 was like we had just lived through the end of the world. Exactly. (laughs) Just like the opener from a few weeks ago, 2021 will not be that much different than 2020. Not yet. Although it was a blue sky and the birds were chirping. So, hey, there's that. There was a dead crow in my yard, but that's a long story oh. that we don't have to go into. <laughs> well, I, well, now I guess I have to tell it. There was a dead a hawk killed a crow in our backyard. And then I was freaking out trying to figure out because it was just sitting in the tree watching. And I couldn't figure out if it was waiting to eat the crow, like it was working up an appetite or if it had just Doing like calisthenic or if it had killed the crow out of spite <laughs> or revenge <laughs> Or if it's a revenge kill, (laughs) it was a hit. Or I didn't know if it had killed the crow and left it in our yard as bait for my dogs to come outside to like lure them so it could eat the dogs instead because they're so yeah, I I did as much Googling as possible and uh, I didn't find any evidence that that hawks will (laughs) that hawks will bait other animals. That's amazing. You were like Googling first revenge kill. Do hawks kill? Are there hitmen hawks? Are there hit lady hawks? Like, you know, you don't want an equal opportunity here. And then do they lure small animals? Interesting. It was was a stressful day. Jeez, no kidding. So is the crow still there? No, I, I relocated the crow outside of the yard in case the hawk wanted to eat it later. You're such a nice neighbor. <laughs> There's a the whole thing. And then I also posted on the neighborhood Facebook group, like, does anybody need a fresh crow for any Like, does someone do taxidermy or for some reason eat crows? Because it seemed like a waste that it was just like, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. The crows like remember that stuff. Was, okay. I mean... That was point number seven. I was terrified that other crows would see that there was a dead crow in my yard and be like, that's the guy who kills the crows. <laughs> and then it was going to create like a whole, it was going to be a whole thing. Oh. So. I mean, yeah, you're going to get a bad rap in the crow community. That is for sure. It happens. I, yeah. I, they did, I think they did an invisibilia on this or this American crow. <laughs> I've heard podcasts about crows. 
and how they remember and they are very vindictive. So a murder of crow. Like calculating oh, crow. Wow. Oh anyway, man. I'll cut all of this because it's ridiculous. It's really long, but it's amazing. <laughs> we'll see. So this week on our non-crow podcast, like every week, we are gonna talk about multi-hyphenates. We're do we have an awesome interview this week uh, that I'll talk about in just a second, but I'm gonna do Another multi-hyphenate spotlight, which is something we also like to do, and we haven't done many, if any yet, uh, traditional multi-hyphenates, like actor, producer type multi-hyphenates. But this week, because it ties into the interview, I actually chose Kevin Smith, who is a filmmaker, actor, comedian, public speaker, comic book writer, author, and podcaster. He co-hosts three podcasts on his own network um, three he has his own podcast yeah network? he has a podcast network and he has three podcasts that he's currently co-hosting smodcast fat man beyond and hollywood babylon so yeah he has his own podcast network he's doing a ton of things and i had so much fun looking into his work history and kind of the story of kevin smith because i think a lot of times with people in Hollywood, we tend to make assumptions when people are already rich and famous, that maybe they had things easy or that they had the right connections. So that was the way that they got where they are. But Kevin Smith did not have those types of connections. He grew up in New Jersey and his dad was a post office worker and he worked late shifts. So his whole life was centered around his dad working nights and it really affected him as a child. And he said that he would never work at something that he didn't enjoy. So early in life, he had this outlook, like, I don't want to have one of these jobs that you go to every day and you're miserable because he saw that so much in his dad. And then in high school, he became like the videographer for the basketball team just to be social. But then he also started doing these SNL style sketch comedy shows that he was producing. He ended up going to the new school in New York. He's a narwhal. And <laughs> that is, is, the, is that? That's the real mascot. And I was like, that's the best mascot I've ever heard in my entire yeah. life. A few times a year, I'm like, wait, are narwhals real? Yes, they are. <laughs> they are the literal unicorns of the, sea. Of of the, the sea. animal kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, so he didn't graduate from the new school. He ended up dropping out. He went to Vancouver for a while to go to film school there, but only stayed for a couple of months. And then he was working at a rec center where he met Jason Mews, the J to mm. his silent Bob. And they started this kind of film empire together. But even that was a really hard start for them. When he when they made Clerks in 1994, they funded it with like a dozen maxed out credit cards and loans from friends. The budget of the movie was something like $29,000. Mm, and he just cast his friends to be in it. So they ended up taking the movie to Sundance and it won the Filmmaker's Trophy. They ended up going to Cannes with it, and it won the Prix de la Jeunesse, which, if you don't speak French, is Prize of the Jeunesse. I don't know. And it got it or not. Put it in the show notes, Austin. I don't know. That was hard. I should know. I feel like the base word there is something that I sort of recognize. But it won several awards there, and then 
came to America and it earned like $3.1 million off of their initial $27,000 and a half dollar budget. So it was super successful and got his career rolling. He's definitely a multi-hyphenate because he's doing a ton of stuff. One of the other reasons that I chose Kevin Smith this week is that he also wrote and directed some episodes of the Canadian teen drama Degrassi, The Next Generation. Ooh, you don't say. Why are you bringing Ooh, that up, Austin? Because this week we have an interview with Christina Schmidt, who was a principal character on the first three seasons of Degrassi, The Next Generation. She's also a good friend of mine. I've been doing her makeup for photo shoots for a couple years, and she's like the sweetest person that I know. She's so nice and so Canadian and so beautiful. <laughs> she's just the best and i was really really excited to interview her and if you stick around to the end of the interview you can hear me get all emotional talking about how excited i was to have her on but without further ado we're going to turn it over to the interview christina schmidt is a friend of the podcast she's a friend of me <laughs> She is an actress and a model and a wellness lifestyle fashion influencer. So she's definitely a multi-hyphenate in our eyes and our hearts. <laughs> so welcome, Christina, to the show. Yay. Hello, everybody. It's so nice to be Yay. here. I'm really excited to have you. So what is it like being a model on lockdown? <laughs> <laughs> so what is it like not being a model during <laughs> lockdown? Right. It is it's definitely been really affected, that's for sure. Part of a big part of my job was traveling, so I would bounce kind of between Toronto and Germany, Los Angeles. Um I lived in New York for quite some time. So definitely being stuck in Toronto has been interesting, but not just that. Uh, a big part of my modeling career was television. So I did a lot of fashion segments on uh, the morning shows and all the different Canadian talk shows and even like beauty segments at the Canadian shopping channel. So that has all just been like totally mm-hmm. shut down since since March. It briefly came back at uh, the shopping channel, but um, has shut down again. So that chunk alone was probably like 50% of, of my work here. So that was like nothing. So I've had to kind of been really innovative with my own stuff and bringing my fashion and modeling stuff really focused on my social media, but it's definitely been very slow. (laughs) Um, the travel aspect has definitely stopped and just kind of going with the flow of things now. I mean, you sound like a multi-hyphenate. I feel like that's what's obviously so fun for bringing you on. But I'm kind of curious if you had ever used the term or knew what the term was before. I definitely was familiar with what it meant when I was reading what you guys are all about, but I I never knew it was like such a thing. I I knew that's what I was because when somebody asked me, Oh, what do you do? I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> what do I do? A little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, like modeling my full-time thing, but I also was an actress, but I also do this, and I also do, and I'm also yeah. certified to do this, and I'm also doing so I definitely resonated with what that was. 
But I, I never knew there was a, a, an actual term for it, which is cool. Well, and especially cool given what we've talked about on this pod, the origins of it are Hollywood, actor, model, dancer, singer. That's what the term originally meant. So it's exceptionally interesting and kind of cool that you weren't super familiar with maybe what is an American term, but something that describes you very accurately. <laughs> for sure. I definitely, that's like, I, it makes me think of Hollywood for yeah. sure. Like, act, just like you said, actress, model, <laughs> dancer, waitress, <laughs> all of it. Obviously you consider yourself a multi-hyphenate now. Besides modeling, tell us a little bit about what else you've been getting into as far as the fitness and the holistic health side. So aside from modeling, over the past few years, I've really fallen in love with the wellness world and health and fitness, especially it just started for a passion for myself, just trying to become the best version of myself. And about six years ago, I went through a pretty big life transition and just needed something new to focus on. So I just for the, almost the fun of it and the passion I had for it, I took a holistic nutrition and wellness coaching course for two years. And that kind of was the shift that changed my world into the wellness side of things. And since then, I've also recently got my Qigong teaching certification. And if you don't know what that is, that's kind of um, similar to Tai Chi. It's a slow moving meditation which I really, really love. And that kind of all just slowly incorporated very heavily into my social media, which was fashion-based, but also just all of a sudden people were like, oh, what are you doing for wellness? Oh, you're looking so great. What have you been doing? And I loved always creating beautiful food dishes that I posted. And it all of a sudden just kind of transformed into this like fashion wellness health thing. And I would say the past two years, I've really taken a transition to like pretty hardcore fitness. So I've really incorporated that into my world as well. And my most current venture is um, I'm doing a spin instructor training that I'm in right now. So it's super intensive um, in tra training. I actually just came from that right now. So um, I, I, I absolutely love it all. And it's a, it's a good time because it's something that keeps my mind really balanced with all the craziness going on in the world. And it's something that can really inspire others. And I just love being able to inspire people to become the best versions of, of themselves. I love that. I think that sounds really interesting, especially because you sort of tapped into something we've touched on, but the passion becoming more and more a part of your professional experience. Yeah, it, it was really cool. Like when that first all started, because I always just, I always loved cooking and eating healthy and plant-based foods and stuff. So I started taking really cool pictures of my food and would start posting them on my social media. And then slowly but surely, the wonderful world of Instagram, I had a few wellness and food brands reach out to me to collaborate. And then the next person reached out to collaborate. And then that started to become a little bit quite the focus of my platforms for, for quite some time, which is which was so cool to see happen just sort of a like and a passion for something like you mentioned. The dream scenario, I would say. <laughs> We're all aiming for that. It's been fun. It's been fun. I get to take pictures of my food, which is like what everybody right. does. I was going to say that's what Instagram <laughs> should be called. <laughs> right? 
it started off just like taking a picture of my breakfast. And then it was like, oh my gosh, I have to have a deadline to like post a dish of this. that. It was cool. Well, that's actually interesting. Sorry. I just, in terms of it being a passion and now it's a business, are there any downsides to that? Do you find like, oh man, I just love to take pictures and do that for fun, but now I have a deadline or I have someone counting on me. It's not like, oh, definitely not a negative or bad side, but it's, it's probably the most, it's not even frustrating, but the the, part that stumps me a little bit is if I have, if I'm working with a product or a brand and it's like, okay, you need to post some content by this date. And I'm like, yeah. what do I do? Cause I don't like just like, I like it being very relatable and natural and not just me posing with a can of something in my hand. It needs to resonate with why I enjoy that product. And, and I put a lot of thought behind everything that I do. So when they're when those deadlines creep up and I'm like, ah, but I mean, is that a frustrating <laughs> problem in my life? No, <laughs> I, I, I enjoy it a lot. I enjoy it a lot. Yeah, I would be curious about that because I know a lot of us have working with social media, pivoting to where we're not able to go to different beautiful places and maybe at home trying to stay Mm -hmm. inspired. Mm -hmm. Um, Are there different ways that you have like kept that creativity going? Well, that, that, that has been tricky too, because I would shoot a lot of my content traveling and outside or go to different studios and especially like when lockdown and stuff happened, like I actually don't have a place inside my house that I necessarily love to shoot and is like that perfect white background or, so that's kind of been like, oh my God, where am I going (laughs) to shoot this? And how do I make this look different? And and it's, and if people were to actually see what goes into it sometimes, like I have a set of marble tiles that I put my certain products over and I'll take like a shot of it over top that looks like I have this like beautiful white countertop when my countertops are actually like black (laughs) and dark and it's just like a little collection of tiles that I shoot different things on and and when you see it on my Instagram it looks like a countertop or it looks like this very beautiful cohesive white pattern that I have going on but it's it's hilarious it is really hard every time I've tried to do sort of those like lifestyle-y food pictures or even product pictures of makeup no one in their house just has like a beautiful, open, well-lit space <laughs> where stuff looks good. Exactly. I take these tiles and I actually have to wait for a nice day outside that's not too <laughs> sunny, that's overcast because then it'll be too blue. Right. And I shoot all my stuff outside because in, in my house, it's like I have very, I, I don't have a lot of natural light and my decor is very dark. Oh, oh, Instagram versus reality. <laughs> oh, oh, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of work. It actually is. and And... Once you get into it and you really see, and a lot of people almost like, almost like make fun of like the influencer, the blogger. And it's like, oh, you know, but it's, it's a full time job when you're posting every day and you're really involved with the brands and really pushing out really good content, like respect to them because that's, it's a full time job. And to make that, make your page flawless, all the respect. Oh, and I've said this for years about people who are kind of disparaging of models or people who, or influencers, is that there's so much time put into it and there's so much effort put into it. And modeling is really hard. Real people, if they had to be in a bathing suit on a freezing cold set for eight hours in heels... Mm-hmm. specific, uncomfortable, unnatural poses. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's there's, there's been weeks here when it's like a busier season, especially when there's 
like when I'm doing some, some of my clients at like the shopping channel, for example, we start shooting at 7am and we'll have like 10 shows a day Whoa. and that's shooting till 11 PM. So I'll not, it's not, it's like, I'll be there for 14 oh hours. And then the next morning I'll be doing like a morning show where I have to be on set at like 5am. And then back at the shopping channel, they do shows until midnight. Oh, so wow. it's like some weeks is just like, oh yeah, it's not, <laughs> you think, you think, I'm on two hours of sleep and I have to stand in heels for the next 12 hours. It's a lot. It's a lot. And, or like the last minute calls, like last week, my agent called me at 12 or emailed me at 12 and was like, Oh, we need a self tape by the end of the day, which is 5 PM. And it's like, okay. (laughs) And if you don't do it, like you're not Mm going to get it. And that's just it. Yeah, that's rough. Or like (laughs) all listen to this problem guys. Like they'll be like (laughs) short, natural nude nails for your job tomorrow. And I like just got my nails done with like red shellac on it. And I'm like, okay, my nail salon's closed. So it's like, I, it's, it's silly problems, but it's, it's demanding quick turnaround problem. For sure. No, I think it's super. I mean, it kind of reminds me, Catherine, of our job in PR where it's not, not, we're not an ER. So I used to have a little sticky note on my desk being like, it's PR, not ER. Like no one's dying (laughs) under your watch, but the stress and the seriousness with which you want to take it, with which clients take it, you know, a lot does write on these choices of getting a story right or a look right or a you know, campaign correct. And it is interesting once you step away or have a moment, you're like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I'm losing literally years of my life stressing over nude nails. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) It's funny problems, but like even my girlfriends be like, let's go get manicures. I'm like, nope, nope, we can't do that. (laughs) Or like hair, like there's been times where I'm like, oh, I'll wait till next week to get my hair trim. And then it's like a certain client that is so strict on the hair t- that is just perfect and no split ends. And then you're rushing to get, and it sounds like silly problems, but it's tr- it, things can be like last minute stressful for sure. And they can also be kind of regional preferences too. Like I remember it, when girls would come into the, uh, when you and I met Christina and when I was doing hair and makeup, or an online clothing store that I won't give any free press to. But they, <laughs> when girls would come in to test and they would have like French tip nails, the people working there were always like, Ugh, yeah. is she from Montana? And like the rest <laughs> yeah. of the world mostly still does that. But LA is like, no, French tips are yeah, over. Yeah, You're no. done here. Yeah. Um, Short nude nails. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I had a girl, I did a shoot with a girl who was a YouTuber and she had millions of followers on YouTube and she wanted to transition into modeling and she was very pretty, but she also really wasn't model material just because she didn't have any of the, like no posing ability. And you know, all of this is really. Inside baseball. Talk, we like it. We like very it. <laughs> inside baseball, but I don't think she was up to it anyway, but she was, and she was young. I think she was 14 and she was there with her mom and I pulled her mom aside and I was like, if you're taking her to agencies in LA, you need to go get her nails done tonight. It's a, yeah. this is a must. Or even like an e-com day, which you know, Austin, oh, yeah. like e-com days, you go in, you're shooting 8 a.m. till 5 p.m. Like outfit after outfit after outfit after outfit after outfit after outfit. Quick change, front pose, side pose, back pose. And you need to be nailing those. And like you hit that afternoon, like three o'clock, <laughs> like snoozy time. And you're just like, no, 
you got to keep going. You got to keep going. Oh, oh, you guys. Okay. You're in heels. It's in those e-com jobs. Everybody's like, Oh, modeling's so cool. And e-com is great. Like a model is always grateful to get e-com, but those are not easy days shooting e-com. No, they're very like e-commerce photo shoots are brutal for everybody involved. <laughs> I personally love this behind the scenes. Cause I felt like that I know I mentioned this when in another interview, Austin was someone we knew who lived in LA and was kind of working in the industry, but the behind the scenes of the industry, I feel like it is kind of important to understand that when you're seeing a final product, a printed, beautiful campaign on the page or online, how much work had gone into those moments. And it's so easy to take for granted. And oh, yeah. even with your like description of the influencer, I love that too, because it is, it's easy to scroll and just be like, oh, wow. Yeah. And not consider all of the thought, time, energy, intention put into. Being pretty for a living is, <laughs> it's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. And I also want to talk a little bit about, you started your modeling career in LA doing plus size modeling in your team. Yeah. And you've carried through with yeah. a very body positive plus size. And I, it's such a frustrating term. And I, Oh, it sure is. <laughs> as someone who's like a six or six eight that's uh for most people that's skinny girls oh yeah it's it's interesting it's the the fashion industry has come a long way in that in the regards to that stuff but especially when i started out it was it was definitely a smaller industry where it was like you are straight size or you are plus size and if you are above a four you are plus size wow so it's it was all, and it's like sample sizes. You either fit into that 14 or you fit into that two. And it's pretty, pretty strict. Yeah. And if you don't, you got to bring padding. And <laughs> it's like, what? You're not fat enough. <laughs> it's oh interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. I am, I'm in a little bit of a weird transition right now because I did like get quite I've really been focusing on fitness and health over the last little while. So we'll be tagging social media photos of you. Your body is insane you look so incredible thank you I've been working very hard so I definitely still have some curves but it's like it's some it's it's that like strict thing of like oh you're not big enough for us anymore but I'm not small enough for that person anymore and it's it's still like when it comes down to it it's still based on those on those sizes I was gonna say and it still is does that make it difficult at this point to book different jobs or like accommodate client requests um, there, in a way, yeah, like there was one e-com client that I was shooting once or twice a week for years. And it just like one shoot, it was like, oh, Christina, like we're doing a lot of pinning on you. And then the next time it was like a little bit more pinning. And then there was no next time after that. So it's, um, it's interesting, but the fashion industry has definitely opened their doors a little more to body acceptance at all sizes and stuff but it definitely still exists of like oh, you're a little bit too small or you're a little bit too big definitely still definitely still exists there sounds very goldilocks <laughs> you have to be the just right plus size model for us yeah and like i'll go to jobs and they're like oh christina you are not plus size and then like you almost feel like i've i felt more attacked in that way sometimes than i have any other way and it's almost like, like they get clicky with the groups of like plus size models and stuff. And then they'll stop using that one girl. And it's, it's like, it's crazy. 
That's really interesting. Is there been, cause it almost sounds like maybe you are having to deal with a little bit of a loss, whether it's a loss of jobs, but even like a transformation, sometimes that can feel weird. Like, are you, how do you handle that? And how do you kind of handle that with your fans who maybe loved you when you were a torrid model or loved you when you were this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? It's been pretty good. I actually just last week for the first time got a comment on a video I posted saying like, Oh, you're oh. pretty, but I liked you way better before. And I was like, Oh, oh wow. <laughs> I know. I know. And like, usually my, my comments are quite positive. And like, I think, I didn't think, I don't think this person in particular right. meant it in a negative way. And it just kind of mm-hmm. came across like that. But I was like, <sighs> yeah, it almost feels like it's revealing of the sickeningness of like how we do talk about women's bodies and deal with beauty because yeah. Yeah, it's probably was intentionally a compliment. Like, oh my God, you were so beautiful yeah, before. And you're yeah. like, okay, but have you been along for the health journey I've been on? And I'm doing this in a very positive, healthy way. I'm not. Absolutely. And I'm all about just like, I'm not striving to be like skinny and I'm not like telling people, oh, you got like do this and work out and eat. But I just, I'm, I really love to inspire people to be the best versions of themselves, not anybody else, be the best version of yourself. And for me, I feel my best when I'm being active and I'm eating well. And, um, like, it's almost like I have to be careful with the wording that I use because if, if one person, like, if I'm like, Oh guys, like I feel so amazing in my body. They're like, Oh, this is, you're attacking us for like eating this. Like what works for me best is a low carb lifestyle. That's just what works best for me and how I enjoy eating. And like, I've posted stuff about, Oh, I really enjoy this. It's like low in carbs. And like, I've got attacked for that because some people are like, you're attacking diet culture. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, you don't know what to say. don't know what to do. Well, I feel like now it's so important to have those kind of conversations of how to feel good in your body, especially with a lot of us who aren't getting the same kind of movement and exercise as we Mm -hmm. were before being at home and just the isolation itself, like mental health is so important. Oh yeah. And yet I don't feel like it's always talked about in a productive or constructive way. Absolutely. Well, just today, I just actually posted something about, it was like five tips to get glowing skin. And my advice was like, tell yourself you're beautiful. I, love I saw that. that and I loved it so much because it had actual yeah. information in there and a, and a brand to plug and advice, but also like steps one, two, and three were just, don't be so hard on yourself. And don't compare yourself to what you see on Instagram. Like I've fallen in that trap before. I'm like, oh my God, I miss having like no little fine lines by the, by the edge of my eyes. And I've, of course, like I've filtered my pictures before I post pictures without any editing. And I post pictures with editing. The first step is like not comparing yourself to others. Cause if you compare yourself to others, cause you see filtered edited photos 24 seven. Yeah. I just was watching a video of Kim Kardashian doing a tutorial of her new concealer makeup line that she's selling. And in the video, she was wearing foundation already when she said she was wearing no makeup. And then did this like 14 step under eye concealer and the, and the video was so heavily filtered that even her no makeup like beginning step look had a ton of makeup and a filter that was so extreme that like you couldn't have seen if there was any texture 
on her skin to begin with. It's, it's, and it's, it is quite easy to like get sucked into that world of things. Cause I've been there. I've been in there where I was like, well, like, I love this picture, but like, see that little lump? Like I could just like take that little lump and then it's perfect. And oh, okay. I have that little bit of under eye. Thing. Okay. Let me just, let me just get that little part out. And then you see where your skin looks like there. And then it's like hard not to do that to all your photos. So it's such an easy thing to get sucked into. But the main thing is like the young girls, like I can't imagine when they're, when their minds are just absorbing everything that they see, what it could do. I remember one of the first, um, when I just started getting into modeling. So I was probably 14 at the time and I went to a shoot and after the edits came back, the photographer's like, oh, here's a version of you, like a size eight. And then here's a version of you size, size 12 or 14, whatever I was at the time. So you can use whatever one you want. And then you like at the time, like I didn't think about how that affected me, but I was like, oh, of course I want to use the one where I'm like a size six, eight. Look how much better it looks. That can slowly really chip away at your, at your confidence and your self-esteem. And, and just now where that's so like easily accessible on an app where it's not just a photographer being able to do that with Photoshop and stuff. It's like, you can just go to an app and put like Skinify or make me skinnier and make my face smaller and 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 don't get me wrong I'll edit a picture here and there too I'm right up there but it's it's a scary world and you can get carried away so fast well I was gonna say I feel like more of us are getting whether it's social media or otherwise like even just being on a zoom call I tease but it's so true I feel awful when I'm on google meet because there is no like face blending and I'm like dear god that's what I look like like it is weird freckles I didn't think I had freckles I know right Oh, that's amazing. I'd love to pivot a little bit and ask, um, since you did start working in modeling and acting young, I would be curious what in your early life that you wanted, is that what you wanted to be? And where did you see your trajectory going? Mm. Um, well, I definitely always, ever since I was like little, little loved the world of performing and entertainment and arts and drama and singing and dancing and all that stuff. I, so I knew I wanted to definitely be in that world of things. And then I was like, I want to be an actress. And I definitely want to be an actress. So of course, everything kind of started with Degrassi, where I played a model on the show. And I was like, oh, cool. And then Torrid in LA had reached out to me. They're like, oh, we'd love to shoot you for a campaign. We'll fly you down. And I was like, oh, my God, like, this is a real thing. Because I always loved modeling. I would have fashion television on and just like be doing a catwalk in my room and loved, you know, behind the scenes at Fashion Week and shooting in a campaign. Like, I loved it. But it was always like, oh, that's like the six feet and size zero, like, oh my God. So I went down to LA and shot for Torrid and the photographer there was like, oh, do you have a, do you have a modeling agent? I was like, oh no, like, is that a thing? Like, I just have an acting agent. And then that's when the whole thing of modeling happened, got my first agent in LA. And then it just like, boom, boom, boom to the next, went to New York. Wilhelmina had signed me at the time and just like took over my... Wow everything like coast to coast. And it just, I've ever since then, I've, I've just been doing that. And that kind of came, like, I'd always wanted to, I always loved it. I guess like the energy inside of me may have gravitated me to that world of things. But I think it like, probably when I was like mid twenties, I'm 33 now. Um, when I was mid twenties, when it was like prime of modeling career, 
I was like, holy shit, like I'm doing this full time. Like I had never imagined I would be a full-time model, like as my career. And along the way, I've always like, Ooh, maybe I want to do this. And I would trickle into another thing, but it always kind of Mm -hmm. resonated and went back to modeling. I did want to talk a little bit more, and I'm sure there are people listening who are, have been waiting for a little bit of information. Of course. It's so funny because when you and I met, I was doing e-com hair and makeup and I was looking for models to work with and I found your Instagram and I was like, oh my God, she's so beautiful. I want to, I would love to do her makeup. And then realized that you were part of this thing that was very influential to me (laughs) from Degrassi. That's, that's huge for me. I have seen all of it or had at the time it ran for a hundred years. I think it's like the longest running Canadian teen drama of all time. Of all time, right? That's even still, it's, it's, I actually still have moments where I was like, Oh yeah, I was on Degrassi. Like, I, and I don't, or like even when fans reach out to me still, I'm like, people still know who I am. Like, and I don't think I, I still don't realize like how big of a deal it was. Yeah. Well, we were talking earlier about the fashion magazine cover that you were on and the interview that you did with them. Mm-hmm. And there was a quote in there saying that you didn't realize how influential it was at the time because you were kind of confident as a kid and didn't realize that you were kind of a voice for kids who weren't feeling as confident and you didn't realize that you were showing as much diversity or representing people in a way at that time. Yeah. Even like, it just blows my mind. I'll still get DMs where, um, women and men as well too, like not creepy men (laughs) who are following me for creepy reasons, but, um, (laughs) um, being like Christina, like I, I don't know if you'll ever read this. And if you, if you do, that's so amazing, but like you really changed my life and you helped me get through my teen years and like till this day. And I, I try my best to respond to every single one of them because I'm like, what? And like, (laughs) I inspired you. I'm like, no way. And then I'll write back to them and they're just like, Oh my God, you responded to me. I'm like, well, yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah. And Canadian. It's not, it's really not a big deal. And it just, it's insane. And it's, it's, that is definitely the most rewarding thing of anything that I've ever done is, is seeing people that I've, I've really inspired and was just so unaware of. It's, it's so cool. It's so cool. I think Degrassi is such an amazing piece of television history because of how representative it was of different kinds of kids and that it was a show that was starring kids it was about actual teen issues Mm -hmm. and it was marketed to kids it didn't have any of the other like sleazier elements it was adult situations that kids do find themselves in but it wasn't marketed in an adult way yeah like when the kids on Degrassi lost their virginities it wasn't sexy it was just like a thing that happened to them because it does happen to people eventually yeah but that I think it is such a unique piece of television and that it really showed things in a realistic way that was also entertaining. And I don't, it's just super special to me. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it really, it really was. And I've had to stop and really reflect on things to know and really just remember how phenomenal it was being part of such an amazing show and that dealt with such issues that a lot of other shows don't or they kind of go in the more sleazy direction of things. 
like Andrea Lewis, who's a very good friend. She was on the show with me, who's a very, very close friend of mine still. We we often talk about that. We're like, it was such a big deal. Like it's definitely, and it, it's opened all like on top of everything that it was about and changing people's lives and how much people just really loved it. Like it opened so many doors for me. It opened so many doors for me. Well, I was going to be, I'm just curious because I do think it is this t- cultural touch point for a lot of people in the industry as well. We were talking earlier how we don't think like euphoria or skins would be possible if Degrassi hadn't happened first. I would be more curious. What do you, do you have anything you wish people would ask you more often about your time on the show? Cause I imagine people ask you some of, you know, just talking about like the things, even like we're talking about now, like self-esteem and, and how it's affected people and being a young kid on a show when I missed like half my high school life. It's interesting. Cause like, sometimes I don't even realize the things I went through until like, I start speaking them out loud when somebody asks a question. That's right. I almost have a two-parter here. So maybe I'll just split it up for different sections. But the first part is a curiosity on how the character maybe either influenced you positively or things you kind of wished you could have brought from yourself, you, Christina, into the character. Because it sounded like from the background, I was looking into you totally different people. You were nothing like Terry in so many ways, but that also that character was so influential and, and some of the ways she managed her life did impact people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause I definitely was always quite like a confident and very social and bubbly person. And Terry was very self-conscious and dealt with self-esteem issues and, and, and stuff like that. So, um, and, and even then, like now I look back and I'll watch the show and I was like, I really like was Terry there. Like that mm-hmm. wasn't me. That was, that was Terry. I almost wish like Christina could talk to Terry to be like, no, Terry, like Spinner's not the only guy. Don't be sad about him. <laughs> Don't be sad about Spinner, Terry. Come on. <laughs> and, um, or, or just like choosing the, like when I actually just, I, I, I just found out that like Degrassi's on YouTube and I was like, oh my God, I need to check that out. And I watched the first episode of Degrassi in probably like 10 years. And it was the one where I went to the school dance and like got drunk and Paige um, gave me alcohol. So she, so I would screw things up with Spinner and then she stole Spinner from me. And I was just like, Terry, no, Terry, no girl, what are you doing? Stand up for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then like the whole Rick thing. And that was, that was, I, I just, never realized how influential that was on people. Oh, it's humongous. Yeah. So for people who aren't aware, your character on Degrassi, Terry, had a boyfriend named Rick who uh, was like an abusive, bullying boyfriend. He ended up pushing you down onto a rock and you hit your head and your character was in a coma. And then Rick ended up shooting Aubrey Graham, Drake's character, Uh, Mm -hmm. shooting him at school and then he was in a wheelchair for the rest of his run on the show So insane (laughs) like when you like just played so quick it was like insane storyline so it it is like a super wild crazy soap opera type of story but also at the same time a show dealing with an issue of school shooting and abusive boyfriends and covering all those things was a really big deal 
and it ultimately ended up in you being written off the show. Yeah. Was that a devastating thing for you at such a young age? For sure. For sure. And I think I was, cause I, that was the end of season three. Um, so at the time it was just like, Oh my God, like getting written off the show is so sad. And I took it so personally. And, um, I think it definitely, now that I'm older and I break down, um, stuff that happened mentally over the years, but I definitely think like that had a big impact on, um, even aspects of like self-esteem and confidence. It was like, why did I get written off the show first? Instead of being like, okay, Christina, this is the entertainment industry. It's a TV series. Like be grateful. You're on the biggest TV series at the time for three seasons as a lead. Like that's insane. But I was like, instead of that, I was like, I was the first one written off. My acting was, was it was with my acting. Was it me? They didn't like, like it was, it, it affected me in ways I wasn't aware of at the time, which I am now that I'm like, okay, I'm so grateful that I was on the show more than anything. But yeah, that was, that was a time, but you know what? And also looking back, like if it wasn't for that, it wouldn't have opened the doors of what I got into of going down to LA and being able to live in New York and start my whole modeling thing. And so it's just that saying of like, everything happens for a reason makes, makes a lot of sense now. But at the time it was, it was pretty devastating. Yeah. We've talked about this on the show of different ways that we've left jobs and whether we've been fired or jobs that have ended, or we did a whole episode on the traps and tricks of your career of if you, are you trapped in your job or is it a trap to be focused on one part of your career when you could be blossoming in another part of your career? And ultimately, for so many of us, it turns out that it was the blessing that we ended one job or we decided to try another thing. Yeah. And even now, like how like such a huge part of my social media is still Degrassi fans. Like they're still so supportive and I'm so grateful for that time in my life. It's 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 really, really insane. It made me so happy for all of you guys when you did the Drake music video mm-hmm. in was that 2018? Yeah, to yeah, that that I can't believe that was that long ago. But yeah, 2018. 2018. Because when you were on the show, it was pre-social media of almost any kind before people had followers in, in any sense, other than people who are watching your show every week the boost that you guys were able to get by having that sort of nostalgia moment from everyone being in the video and having this reunion, like everyone who I know knew who was a fan of the show just like lost their minds. Lost their mind. It was my favorite thing about that was watching the YouTubers. It was just the best. Like they freaked out. It was so amazing. And I think overnight, like that whole thing happened within like two weeks. We got, we got the call slash email, shot it. It was edited and released all within like two weeks, maybe even less than that. And then one morning I woke up and there was like, it was just like, <laughs> my feed was like, brrr, like follower, follower, like it got like 10,000 wow. followers in like 12 hours. And like overnight it was insane. And it's been kind of just going up from there. That's awesome. And that was amazing. Just having everybody back and like my good friend, Andrea flew to LA. So we got a hotel together for the weekend. And that was my first time back at the Degrassi set since everything happened. Like since I was on the show, it was, it was the best time ever. It was awesome. Um, Something you said earlier that really makes me think 
you mentioned how you'd love to give advice to your character, Terry, but I would wonder, because I know we've all experienced layoffs or experienced disappointments or jobs that we thought would be the forever. I'd be curious if you would have any advice for your younger self. You know, it obviously worked out, but you know, it's really hard to know that in the moment. (laughs) Little did she know. Yeah. Um, definitely not to take things personally, because when you take things personally, it will eat away at you. And that's what it did. That's what it did to me for a while. And really trusting like why that is happening and and not to blame yourself. Because like I said, like I was like right away, like, oh, it's my acting. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. Instead of like, no, Christina, it's a show that needs storylines that needed character for this to happen to. And just to not take anything personally, to keep going, the next door is going to open and it could be a bigger and better door. Everything that you've experienced is learning and growth no matter what. Like that's just life. That is really just life. And it's, it's, it's a chance to work hard and it's a chance to find passion within something else and everything will work out. And just to stay focused and and not not take it personally. That's beautiful. And I feel like the second part of my two-parter is probably not the best to end on, but I'm just curious because I feel like you're a mom. You mentioned having your son home during quarantine. You're teaching him. You almost were prepared for these skills in such a crazy way, having to be a work, you know, work on set. Maybe you were educated on set. You were, what a weird turn of events to all of a sudden end up being your son's teacher. And are you using any of those skills that you have? (laughs) I wish I took more lessons from that because that is hard. I have so much more respect for teachers because to sit an eight-year-old down and be like, okay, we're doing math for 20 minutes. He's like, no, I'm not. And I'm like, yeah, you are. He's like, no, I'm not. It's, that is a job. Like, yes. Respect to teachers because that is, that, is, that is very, very tough. And you have to have passion for that because that's, that's, that's tough. And that was, that was a change. And that time that he'd be at school was always like, okay, drop him off at school, go to this casting, go to this fitting, come home, shoot, do this, pick him up. And I have a wonderful support system around me that helps me a lot with him, but that transition to the homeschooling and they're back in school now, but I think actually just, just this week, they're announcing that after Christmas, they're, they're not going back. So it's like, Oh, okay. Well, I feel like you're inspiration for parents. I feel like I know a couple that are just struggling, like, oh my God, what am I going to do? My kid's losing all this education, but like, clearly, you know, they'll be okay. It's okay. It's okay. Like everybody's doing their best. Everybody just has to do their best. And you know what? Don't feel bad if, if, of course, like we don't want our kids on iPads all day, but if you need that, that 45 minutes don't feel bad that you give your kid the iPad or if, if you need to go in into the backyard and just like breathe <laughs> for, for two minutes because you feel like you're losing your damn mind. Like you are not alone. <laughs> you are not alone. There's like, I'm a pretty good multitasker and having a million things on the go. But like when you pop parenting into that and the homeschooling into that and being in some kind of lockdown quarantine thing, like, Guys, everybody's losing their mind one one way or the other, and if and if you're not, like, yeah, right. teach me yeah. and, and please. DM us all. Please, 
DM, DM everybody, <laughs> start a YouTube channel, start a podcast. I'm not losing your mind during this because it's, it's definitely been tough. And, and parents who don't have support by their parents or like, right. All of a sudden that like they're, they're, they're a single parent with a full-time job. And it's like, Oh, next week, your kid's going to be learning at home now. Oh my gosh. And like, I just, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. So like be easy on yourself. And if you have a crappy day and you feel like you've just failed, like, no, you haven't. The fact that you just got through the day True. is success <laughs> and go get a <laughs> bottle of wine to make it a little easier if you need to. Don't feel bad about it. The three of us don't have kids, and we go through a surprising <laughs> amount of alcohol. <laughs> also, yeah. Even just while we're recording. <laughs> yeah. I need to scream into the backyard anyway. So, all good advice. Right? <laughs> right. Well, thank you so, so much. This is amazing. I'm so glad that you said yes when I asked you. I am so happy. That was crazy. I was, I was literally thinking of you, Austin, like 10 minutes before you messaged me. And then I was like, no way. And your name popped up on my phone. That's so wild. I did not lie. I think of you every day because you are my lock screen phone person. I love that. So I I think about you all the time, Austin. And I even like my response was like, (laughs) yo, like, And and oh, was like I can't believe uh, you messaged me. So I was, I was so pumped to do this. This is like total sidebar. I don't even know if we'll put it in the episode, but it was. I was like having a serious day and going through it, and I needed like a win, and I needed like something to sort of like bring me back up. And a lot of the therapy that I did throughout last year and early this year had to do with sort of looking at the real data points in your life of what's actually true versus all of the terrible things that you tell yourself every day. And when you like spend a day or a week or a month telling yourself that everyone in your life probably hates you, then you like there, there are real data points that you can look at. And my smart brain knew that I did have people to reach out to and that I've been working on this a ton and we needed people to do interviews with us. And I, cause I had thought about having you as an interview from the beginning, but I was like, um, I know if I ask, she will say yes, because she's a really good person and she loves me and I love her. So yeah. like, why wouldn't she? And your response gave me everything that I needed mm. on that day. And in this whole week. Oh, Austin, that makes me so happy. I know I've, since that first message, when you reached out to me to do that initial shoot, it was just like vibes right off the bat. I love that. It was, it was such a good day. And I was so excited to meet you. When I I feel that energy from somebody go unnoticed and I cherish cherish those people in my life so much. Mm. Well, Uh, I'm so glad. And you're one of them. I love you. I love you. I'm glad that we are friends and that you came on to talk to us tonight. So it's been awesome, guys. So nice to meet you, ladies, and so nice to catch up with you, Austin. I was like, oh, no, you're moving away from L.A. When am I going to see you? I will come back. Day. I've already been back once to do work, so it is, oh, good. it's worth the drive. If you are in town, I will. I can come back. Oh, my God, I would love that. I would love and that. You wouldn't be disappointed if you ended up in Salt Lake City or, you know, Park City. <laughs> I don't think you'd be sad. Is there a Park City fashion week? <laughs> there should be, yeah. <laughs> I'll look it up. Make it happen. <laughs> well, I've I've often wanted to like do 
the big road trip of Toronto down to California, which I think is like a three day thing. Yeah. Um, so maybe that will bring me through. I think it goes through like Colorado. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Come visit us. You could pass right through the salt. Flats. Yeah. Isn't that in Utah yeah. or where is that? Those are what epic. Is? The salt flats where it looks like mm-hmm. it's snow, but it's just salt and Ooh. it's gorgeous. And I feel like I'm already picturing some <laughs> fantastic art. We could do some serious shoots on the way. There is scenery here that is unreal. Oh, Utah is Utah's wild. I mean, and I lived in a place with mountains for the past 10 years, but it is so beautiful here. It's unreal. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I hope to come check out all of these places. I'm having like a vision of you in my fur scarf at uh oh, at antelope yeah. island i'll take a picture of you <laughs> with a buffalo I, I actually like instantly just pictured that and, and i want it to happen we'll make it in vogue <laughs> yeah it, it will it will goals. Okay. hashtag goals. awesome thank you i love you I so much yeah you. so great to meet you bye see ya. bye guys thanks austin christina was Excellent. I thought that the conversation was so organic and easy and interesting to learn what she's been up to. And I think I especially was intrigued by the journey she's on currently with trying to gather her modeling, which she's been doing for over a decade, it sounds like, but weaving that into a wellness and health lifestyle and how she's just taking advantage of a little bit of the downtime to lean into that. And as literally said, she came straight from her spin instructing class. Right. And looked like she was ready to model. Well, we're like, you did, you know, I cleaned up for this interview and I still look like trash. <laughs> but she, yeah, I, I love talking to her. She's so down to earth. And I mean, I feel, I always feel like that's weird to say about people who like you've seen on TV, like everyone is just people, but she's, just a cool girl. And I, I love getting to chat with her about everything that she has going on now. Well, and I totally agree. Like her just personality and authenticity is so appreciated as someone to not only talk to on this podcast, but just follow her along on social media and have that sort of inspiration of this is what a healthy, happy lifestyle can look like. For sure. Yeah. I remember when she and I first met, she was leaning really hard at that time into kind of food blogging and taking pictures of her meals. And like, and you know, like she said, everyone takes pictures of their food, but she was doing a really exceptional job. Like the styling that she did with her food was so beautiful. I, I saw it and I was like, I want to eat a quinoa bowl. Um, mm. That looks amazing. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just, I'm so glad that we had her and that we got the time to kind of dig into her journey post Degrassi and to hear what life has been like and what it's like now. Well, and she was our first traditional multi-hyphenate too. Our first person who's in the industry, model hyphen, actress hyphen. But I think that that was also, it was a great first multi-hyphenate, I suppose, traditional defined multi-hyphenate to have because she also embodied so much more than the industry itself which is something i know we've touched on totally and i'm very impressed that both of you kept your composure as degrassi like diehard fans i know and now we all just can shamelessly go binge it on youtube as she mentioned it's oh, yeah. there we, 
So that's we'll be fun. linking to that in the show notes, as well as all of her current stuff. You guys have to check out her social media. She's just, she's an inspiration. And I just, I love looking at all of her photos. She's so talented and so beautiful and all of the props to her for the stuff that she's got going on now. All right. Well, thank you so much to both of you this week. This was really fun. And I mean, another great episode. So thanks everyone else for listening. Um, Please rate and subscribe. It will mean a lot to us. You can follow us on social media. Um, We're on Instagram at blood, sweat careers, and you can send your notes of admiration to blood, sweat careers pod at gmail.com. And we will see you next week. See ya. Hasta luego. Bye.